Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. everybody, this is Terilyn here and I am with Kimball Lewis. He is the CEO of EmpoweringParents.com, which is the home of the Total Transformation Program. And his entire work here is focused on helping parents. So Kimball, I am so happy to have you on with us today. Could you give us just a little bit of background? Tell us who you are, how you came into this line of work, and what is the work that you actually do? Well, first of all, Terilyn, thanks for having me on the show. Um, so my name is Kimball Lewis. I'm the CEO of EmpoweringParents.com, and we are a website, EmpoweringParents.com. And our our mission is to evangelize the work of James Lehman and the Total Transformation Program, which is the um, we call it the um, uh, the manual or the the how to book for dealing with kids that um, are de- that have defiant behaviors, obnoxious behaviors, rude behaviors. If you're the parents who come to us are basically at their wits end dealing with their kids' behavior problems. And they come to us with, with Google searches like, you know, my child is punching holes in the wall. I'm in an argument constantly with my child. Um, my child's stealing. Like it, it's, a, it's a wide range of things, but it's, it's fairly significant behavior problems. And the relationship between the parent and child is broken down and they're just, they're not sure what to do anymore. They, they feel like their kids are out of control and they can't have normal conversations anymore. So the... The, the work, the Total Transformation Program was put together by this behavioral therapist named James Lehman in the sort of mid to late 2000s. And then it became widely popular. We sold about a half a million of these to parents uh, worldwide. Uh, they were like books and DVDs back then. That's how most people <laughs> consumed content. And um, I know, I know, it's, it's, that seems like forever ago. And, um, and he, he suddenly passed away in 2010. Mm. Uh, but his work remains completely relevant. It's what it's it's um it's what you would call evergreen content. It's it's perfectly relevant. And and I came into the company in 2016. I had a technology background, but I also had started out my my career as a as a um, as a researcher and at a think tank in Washington D.C. working on um, child welfare issues. Mm. And and come full circle, I. I I knew I'd met James Lehman before. I knew his business partner. I took over the company at that point with the goal of putting all of this online, making it still accessible and still evangelizing all the work of James Lehman and, and, and helping parents who are just dealing with these incredible problems where they can't even have a normal conversation with their child anymore. Hmm. Um, so, so that's where we came from. And James has a very uh, unique story and background that, that makes him particularly relevant for this because he himself was that defiant child. And he had spent, he had spent, um, he grew up in New York city and spent his, you know, teenage years into early twenties, like in and out of group homes and, and prison. He spent some time in prison mm. and was just a, a terror at home. And when he was 25, he went before a judge and the judge said, James, this is your last chance. I'm not going to sentence you to the long prison term. I'm going to put you into this accountability based program. And if you're able to finish it successfully, you won't get a you won't go to jail, but if you don't, you're going, you're going to jail. So he went to an accountability based program and it changed his life, turned everything around. And when he left the program, he ended up 
becoming a counselor in the program. And then he went on to Fordham University and Boston University and he got and he got a master's in social work and counseling. And he spent 30 year career working with kids primarily in like he had a private practice, but but very often he worked in group homes with kids that had sort of severe behavior problems. And he developed, he and his colleagues developed a toolkit on how do you deal with behavior problems? Like what's effective, what's ineffective? And then later on in his career, he was able to articulate that into a, into a program that would train parents in, in about an eight-week program with, with the tools that they use in dealing with behavior and defiant programs and made it accessible to everyone. So without having to go and get a, you know, a degree in, in psychology or whatever, parents can have the tools to do this and, and work it well. Because a lot of these kids were in therapy and counseling with him. And he realized that 50 minutes a week with the kids or the parents is not enough. Mm. The parents need to be trained on how to, on how to deal with the behavior problems as well. So, so that, that's the whole history behind the total transformation program and why we're here today. And we're still evangelizing. It's still wildly popular and it's available Mm. online now at empoweringparents.com. So. Mm. Oh, that's such a fascinating story. I love it when people take their own difficulties in life and turn it into a gift. And it sounds like that's exactly what he. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. And he was, he was what you would call an ODD child. Like, like he was never formally diagnosed. They didn't have this diagnosis when he was a kid, but ODD is oppositional defiant disorder. He was definitely that. And, and I, I still am in contact with his, his wife, who was also a, a counselor and social worker, Janet Lehman. And, and he says, yeah, J- James is ODD. Like he's definitely, even, even as in marriage, like he's ODD, like it's just a personality type that he has and you can either channel it productively or or things can go off the rails and he learned how to channel it productively. And, 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 um, and, and parents are, you know, when you get that kid who's hard, you know, they don't, cause the parents not like that necessarily, but the kid might be. Mm. And, and the parents like, I don't know how to deal with this. They don't, they don't know the psychology. They don't know how the kids are even thinking about this stuff. So, mm-hmm. so he, he clues them in and lets them know this, this is what's going on a lot of times. And, and it gives parents a, a chance of, for dealing with the behaviors constructively. Oh, that's beautiful. I can, I can hear in my mind, like the audible sighs right now of parents right now listening, thinking I am in that place. I don't, I don't know what to do with this specific child. It's a place I've never been before, or maybe we've been struggling with this for years and I just haven't been able to find the tools that I need. So let's start out then with, you know, we have a lot of, in our podcast, we talk a lot about proactive stuff, which I think is really valuable. It sounds like today, I mean, we're really going into when things are going wrong, when things are really hard, how to deal with it. So let's start out with why, Kimball, do kids act out? Where does where does it even come from and and what can we do about it as parents? So in the in the total transformation program, like the first unit asks that exact question, why do kids act out? And and James' belief and 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 the work behind what he what he does is is fundamentally they're acting out because they have poor problem solving skills. Mm. And when we say problem solving skills, we, I don't mean like a math problem. I mean, like the alarm clock goes off in the morning and your problems begin. A, you have to get out of bed. You have mm-hmm. to get to school. So there's, there are just some basic functional problems that, that, that you face every day. And normally you start getting more into these problems as you hit adolescence. When you're really young, like you're pro- you just don't, you don't have a lot of responsibilities and that type of thing. So as you start hitting to adolescence, suddenly like you have to go to school or you have homework. So you have these things that we call functional problems, which is you don't have the discipline or the problem solving skills to deal with, with 
putting down your electronics and doing your work, doing something that's uncomfortable. You may not know how to deal with frustration. You may not have to, how to deal with anger. We, we, we view anger not as something to get rid of because everyone gets angry. Like it's a normal emotion. We view anger as a problem to be solved. When you get angry, you, your problem solving kicks in and you learn how to deal with your anger or your frustration mm -hmm. or even your social skills. Like um, when, you're, when you're a you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old kid, and you do something that upsets other people and they get angry at you, you're not used to that. You don't know how to react to that. As, as you get older and mature, you, you, you've learned those problem-solving skills. So what happens is the, the kids that end up in this situation don't have effective problem-solving skills, but they do have a problem-solving skill. And, and, and the way they solve their problems is by acting out. Hmm. And the problem with that is that it works. And I'll give you an example. And a lot of parents, this will resonate with a lot of parents. You're, you're driving home from work and the, your child was supposed to either do a chore, or do their homework or do something. And in your mind, as you're driving home, you're saying to yourself, I know that he didn't do it. I know he didn't do it. And you get home and sure enough, he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. and, and then you get into a fight and you do that. It happens over and over again. These are patterns. And that's why, they, that's why parents who come to us have been through this a lot. And after a while, the parent's driving home and says, you know what? I'm not even going to ask him to do chores anymore. It's not worth the fight. Mm. I'll do the chores instead. Yes. So the acting out, the, the, the defiance, the whatever, it actually solved, from the child's standpoint, it solved their problem. Now they're not, now they're not doing anymore. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we like to say kids gain control by losing control. So if you're asking your child to do their homework, you know, put your electronics away, do their homework. And they freak out every single time. After a while, parents are going to get tired of that. And the way that they, the way that they approach having their child not act out is to stop asking them to meet the responsibility that they need to meet. Yes, yes. And in the child's mind, like th they've actually solved the problem. But but here's but here's the issue. So it's a problem. So the acting out becomes a problem solving skill. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that it works, mm -hmm. but it doesn't work as well as you get older, and as you hit adolescence and and young adulthood your problems get much more complicated your relationships get much more complicated and if acting out is your your go-to problem solving skill you're gonna have to act out a lot to mm. solve your problems and eventually you end up with legal problems and other stuff so it's just not it's not good so so fundamentally we we want to we want to coach our kids on how to solve their problems without acting out and there's usually basically a two-step process of doing that. And one is one is through effective consequences, not allowing the acting out behavior to be rewarded ultimately. Mm -hmm. Like make sure it doesn't work anymore. And then two, you, you offer them alternative behaviors. Like here's what you can do instead. So that's kind of the fundamental behind it, like why they act out and, and how we and how we approach it. So mm, okay, this is fascinating. So I love what you're saying here because what I hear you saying is when you, <laughs> the problem with acting out, because it does solve the, the solution short term, in the end, when I'm picturing that, you know, magnifying as a child gets over, I mean, that kind of behavior would erode the foundation of any important relationship in their lives, right? Because you can't have a does, yeah. relationship where that's how you're getting what you want. So, okay, I'm loving that. So can you, maybe can you walk us through those I, two can steps? I, can I add one, one thing to that, which is- yeah. We tell parents it's really important that your child, and this goes back to the whole relationship thing, 
this is going to sound a little strange, but it's very it's it's very important to to be um, intentional and thoughtful about how you deal with your child's behavior problems because you actually you want your child to behave well because here's the danger if your child doesn't behave well you won't like them <laughs> yeah. yeah honestly you won't you won't like that like it's a terrible thing to say but like you you will we see this with parents like parents get if if you look we have like hundreds of articles on our site that are free so if you go to empoweringparents.com there's articles everywhere the comments go on and on and on over and over and over again, parents will, this sounds horrible. Parents will write, I don't like my child. Mm-hmm. I don't like yeah. my child. And it's, it's their behavior they don't like, but it turns into you'd stop liking your child. So that's why we just, it's like, it's important if you're dealing with a behavior problem to, to, to try to get a handle on it because it will erode your relationship. You will no longer like your child. Mm-hmm. And, and they can feel that, right? <laughs> the kids can feel that. You can feel it. Kids, yeah, everyone feels it. Yeah, I totally understand that. That makes sense to me. Okay, so tell me, so can we use this example then of, let's use the example of the putting their electronics away and doing their homework, because that's a really common, or doing chores, you know, whatever. Um, I love that because I've seen, I have seen that where it's like, this is just, I mean, how often do, just chores alone, do parents say, oh my gosh, okay, fine, it's so much easier to just do it myself and they just do it, right? So maybe can we use that example? You're coming home from work, you know, in your mind, they did not put away their electronics and do their homework. So can you, using those two steps that you just told us, how would that look? Well, first of all, if it's been happening over and over again, um, we, we, we have parent coaching, there's parent coaching, there's other things out there. But what we tell you is that you can prepare for it. It's, these are patterns of behavior. It's happened 10, 20, 30 times. So now you can put a plan in place. So you want to be thoughtful about the plan that you put in place. And that is, coming up with what, what's an effective consequence if they haven't done their, their chore and also how are you going to react? And if you have a plan in place, you tend to be much more calm in your reaction. You tend not to, to act out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to, you want to, first of all, have an effective consequence for them not having done their chore. Like they lose electronics times or, or, or whatever. And, and we have a whole unit on like what's effective consequences, but generally they tend to be short term. Mm-hmm. They tend to be not, it's, it's way more important to be consistent than severe. Yes. Yes. And the first time we do a consequence that may not work. So a lot of people, parents come to us and go, hey, the consequences don't work. He doesn't care about the consequence. He doesn't care about the consequence. Probably does, or she does care about the consequence. If it's a, if it's a decent consequence, they're just saying they don't, and they're going to try to wait you out a little bit. So it's just good to be consistent um, and just keep applying it and then adjust it a little bit. Cause sometimes your consequences may be of no consequence to the child. And that, in which case you want to change things a little bit, but in general, the, the consequences tend to be, uh, task oriented, which is that if, if they haven't done their chores, then there's no electronics till the chores are done. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and then once they're, they finish the, the, their chores, then they can do their electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the that that's the task. So it's not time oriented. We we say that we don't want like these over the top grounding or punishments mm-hmm. because you don't want your child to get good at doing time. That is not you want them to learn through the consequence. You don't want them to learn how to do time. That's not a skill mm-hmm. you want your child to have. Mm-hmm. You want them to learn how to do tasks to to in order to get the consequence to go away. And so that oh. task would be would be um you know, finish your chores, then you can do have electronics time. Oh, I like that. I like that. That works. Or, oh, sorry. Ahead. Or what? 
Or if there's not an obvious task, you can kind of make one up. So we have this a lot, which is swearing, where the child swears at the parent. Like mm-hmm. nasty, like, you know, that happens a lot. Like parents, teenager kids will swear at their parents. Mm-hmm. And and so you'd think, well, what's the task for that? And we, we recommend something, this is going to sound silly, but it actually works, which is that you take away something of consequence to them. And I'm going to use electronics. It's the most common one because kids love their phones and their electronics and, and whatever. It's like, it's their social world too. So mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a readily available consequence. Um, and you will have, so one thing we recommend if like they're swearing at you or something is, is you take away their electronics like for a couple hours. Uh, and then if to, to earn their electronics back, they have to write you a letter saying, handwritten letter saying, I, I know that it's, it's, it's against the rules in this house to swear at mom and dad. And the next time I get frustrated or whatever, here's what I'm going to do instead. And you offer them that alternative behavior. And they have to write this letter out. You actually can help them a little bit, just telling them, you know, and you don't, don't tell them to say, I'm sorry, because they probably don't mean it. So we don't want like what we want them to write down because, and, and get used to it is that there are rules in this household. And the rule is you don't swear at mom and dad or, or your, your brother or your sister. We don't swear in this household. Mm-hmm. It's against the rules of this household to swear. Mm-hmm. And that's written out. Mm-hmm. So they know there's actual rules. Mm-hmm. And then and then you write the alternative behavior. And the next time I get frustrated or or whatever, I'm gonna do X. And they so the two hours is up. They have to write this stupid letter, which they're gonna roll their eyes, ignore the eye rolling. It's harmless, just ignore it. <laughs> and then they hand you the letter, and then they get and then they get their electronics back. And then you just walk away and 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 then you do it again the next time it happens. And then <sighs> and then if it's a, a persistent problem with a child where they just, you know. You put the rules, we say put the rules of the household on the refrigerator, like basic rules. Like we don't swear, we don't hit, we don't do electronics before homework. They're like like five, six, seven rules and you put them on the refrigerator. It sounds it sounds mm-hmm. silly to adults like us who don't think you need a rule for something silly like that. But like when you're have these problem solving skills and you're twelve, like it's it's actually helpful. Yeah. Okay. I love this. I love several things that you're saying here. One, just the idea of the rules of a household. Um, I mean, I think I, we live in a time where we ha- we talk a lot about, you know, being free and independent and all those kinds of, you know, intrinsic motivations, which to be clear, I am a huge fan of intrinsic motivation yeah. and all those kinds of things. However, we also are humans who live in social structures where living within boundaries is really important. And so I think there is a respect that comes with rules. So I like that, that you're actually acknowledging that, that it isn't just like a freedom, always do whatever you want. And the, the other thing I like about writing down the rules is it sounds to me like you might be having a family conversation about what the rules actually are ahead of time. So you're creating yeah. this concept of unity. Maybe even your kids have a say. When I say a say, I mean, they might have ideas about what good, good rules yeah. would be. So you have something to refer to that I love just having rules of a household, I think is brilliant. And second, I love that you're saying with the writing down, I've never had my kids write it down. I do something called where we practice for us. We usually read, we call it a replay. So we say, okay, so that didn't, you know, that didn't go well. Let's mm-hmm. practice again. So next time, you know, Henry takes your toy instead of hitting him, what, what are you going to do instead? And they practice. So they actually run through it with their brain and get their neural pathways going so that when it happens again, the kid takes their toy. They're like, oh, hold on. I practiced this in my brain. But I love that you just said to write it down because that's fabulous. You're actually literally, because we all know when you write something with your hand, 
how you're creating those yep. pathways. So you're saying the next time they feel the desire to swear, they're literally practicing it, but they're writing it down, which takes it to a whole nother step. I really like yeah. that. And I like, I like what you said too. What you, what you described is I, I think what we would call role-playing and you do role-playing with your child. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. how to de- and deal, a lot of it's sibling stuff. Like if they, how do you, how do you deal with your sibling when they're, you know, you get frustrated, they're annoying you, that type of thing. And the role-playing is helpful. Yeah. They don't know. Like, you know, we, we forget when we, we forget what it was like when we're eight, nine, 10 years old. Yeah. You forget that you don't know anything. <laughs> you really yeah, don't. Like, it's true. Yeah. It's, I, it's good. And it's good to practice. These are life skills to practice. So, okay. So the first step is consequences. I like that you're saying keep it as natural as possible, that they're not these arbitrary, weird consequences yeah. um, and that they are short- tasks. I really like the task oriented instead of, I love the, yeah, we're not doing time here. We're not grounding yeah. them for a weekend. And, sh- and short term. Yes. And it's immediate. Well, for, for a couple of reasons. Not, one, you don't want to do time, but also you, you want them to get it back so you can take it away again. <laughs> <laughs> and they can, and it gives them, they don't have the learned helplessness of, I mean, you're, you're teaching them that I have control over my, my surroundings here. Cause it is short term. I can get it back by my Yeah. Act. You want them to, yeah. You want, you want them to be able to use it. I mean, maybe you're just a hundred percent against electronics and it's like the parents will have an opinion on, on that or whatever, but, but. You want them. You want them to be able to do stuff. You want them to be able to have responsibilities and have freedom, but they they can't be yes. hurting and abusing other people. They yes. have to be able to do it outside of hurting and swearing at mom and dad, and and they have to be yeah. able to meet their responsibilities. If you if you want a child that's not free, a child that that hasn't learned responsibilities when they hit their twenties is not going to have any freedom whatsoever. <laughs> they're gonna it's they're gonna so- be stuck at home. They're gonna be like, yeah, yeah. It's it's so true. I agree with that. That is the paradox of freedom that true freedom for me lies in healthy boundaries, right? And, yes. and learning those kind of responsibilities. Okay. So, okay. I have a couple questions for you here. One, what was the second? Can you tell me the first one was consequences that are short-term task oriented? And what was the second piece of the solution? Oh, well, the, the, the thing is, so the consequences are all around making sure that they're their pro- their problem solving skill, which is acting out to solve their problems, doesn't work. So the consequences are it doesn't work anymore for you. You get a consequence instead of having it work for you. And the second is offering your child alternative behaviors, what they can do instead of oh. acting out in those situations. And that's kind of like like the letter thing that I was talking about. But th- there are things that you can work with your child on 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 what you can do, what you can do instead. So you're you're generally like applying a consequence, but at the same time you're offering them an alternative behavior. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Oh, I and love then that. ask, and then saying to them, look, look, if, if you, if you did this instead, like our lives are going to be a lot easier. We're going to be in a much better place. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, they won't get it the first time or the second time, or the third time, but it, it will, it, it, it starts to sink in. And one thing I'd like to point out to parents is that at, we have we have a couple types of parents. The majority of the parents coming to us, they're having a problem with their child, but their child is usually reasonably well behaved at school mm. or with other adults or with the police or whatever. Like they're not the problem is with mom and dad, they're having a, they're having an issue, but outside the world, outside in the real world with real people who wouldn't put up with that because they're not mom and dad, uh they generally get along okay. Like not maybe not 100%, but they're they're things are are okay. So mm. that's the majority of the cases. And those are the ones that are most e- easily solvable. And then there's, there's the other cases where the child is, is defiant to mom and dad, defiant to any authority, defiant to school teachers, defiant to police, any adults, whatever that those are more challenging cases. And, and we deal with those also. Um, 
and a lot of a lot of the tools are are very similar similar approach. But but one thing I ask parents is 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 your child behaving this way mostly with you, or with everyone? Mm. Most of the time, it's with mom and dad. Interesting. And you're saying you so, you do apply the same things to kids? Yeah, well. there's 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 some slight nuances or whatever. But but the the good news is for for that the majority of these cases, it's the problem is with mom and dad at home, and that outside the home they're they're um, reasonably well behaved. The defiance isn't isn't there. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Because kids, okay. you know, kids have kids don't have of you know a, a teenager doesn't have any power really if you think about it. Like they're not the boss. They're not in charge at school. They're not in charge of anything. They don't really have skills yet. Yeah. Yet they're yet they're living in a lot of times an adult body. Like you know, a lot of sixteen year old kids are the kids like you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they do have one power and it's a superpower is they have power over mom and dad they can they, they're 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 like two human beings in the world mom and dad that they that that they have incredible influence over through their mm-hmm. like behavior and whatever and we all know that like you're, you're having an issue with your child like like you are like your world's in a tailspin you can't sleep at night there's so this this child has that effect it's only it's the only people in the world he has that effect on Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the, his school teachers aren't tossing and turning all night, night after night because he's not doing his homework. They just give a bad grade and they move on. Mm-hmm. But mom and dad do, and the child knows they have that, you know, that relationship with their with their with their parents. So it's a very special relationship that, you know, there's power structures going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes total so. sense to me. And I love that you said um, because as you're talking, I mean, I can hear so many parents. Yeah, we we carry we carry that it's an important relationship to us. And so we're trying, right. And so when things aren't going well, it's really, really stressful. Yeah. I like that you said to stick with what resonates with you um, as this is circling back a little bit, but to consequences with screens, you know, my listeners here know that I am, I mean, I am like very far on the spectrum of, I think as little screens as possible. So for me, obviously my consequences yeah. are going to be a lot different, but I love that you're giving a lot of options that can work within any structure of any family, depending on what their values around screens are. My question for you, my next question for you is let's talk then. Okay. You're really, it sounds to me like, I mean, as you're discussing this, it comes to me like the heart at the heart of this is the relationship between parent and child. You mentioned before, we want to like our children, right? We want to actually want to spend time with them. They, there is a lot of power dynamics there because it is an important relationship to us. Yeah. And so my question for you is, do you have tips for, and where do you think connection plays into this? Connection is one of the pillars that we really focus on here and our podcast, but connection slash communication. I know you have lots of really great tips for communicating with your kids because I mean, it's wonderful to have a structure. I mean, I'm loving that structure of the consequences and then giving them alternatives yep. to their behavior. But where can we go with communication to actually go from not only helping them behave, but having a really good relationship with our child? So the, the parents, the parents coming to us, things are not going well, mm-hmm. first of all. And if you want to have the good relationship, I don't, it, it's almost impossible to have that good relationship in an environment of defiance and backtalk and swearing and whatever, that has to be like, you kind of have to fix that first. And communication is a big part of that. And I think the communication will actually help um, the relationship with the child as well. But the, the communication, you know, if you, if you ever been in like couples therapy or like a huge part of that is communication, there's a communication mm-hmm. breakdown between, between the couple. They don't tell you that that's the same thing that's going on with your kids too. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and, and we say things to our kids that don't, um, and we talk to our kids in a way that are not necessarily effective, especially when the child's having a, a, a behavior problem. And for example, like we would recommend that you just need, need to use more direct statements with your child. And, and one of the, thing, one of the things we, we, we talked about this before the show a little bit about the why trap. There, there's something we call the why trap around communication and parents will recognize this, which is you walk into your child's supposed to be doing something. He's supposed to be like doing his homework or her homework um, or they're not supposed to be doing something. Either way, there's a responsibility that's not being met. And, and you walk into the room and you see them doing something else and you say, why are you watching TV? When you, you know, when you know you're supposed to be doing your homework, why? Mm-hmm. And then you stand there and you wait for an answer. So we step back a little bit and we, t- we, we look at parents and go, do you realize you just asked your child to provide you with an excuse as to why they're watching TV instead of doing their homework? This is if you don't want your child to be giving you excuses, then don't ask them for excuses. So don't use the why trap. Don't go in there and say why. Just go in there and matter of factly say, you know, you're not supposed to be watching TV. Go do your homework and leave it at that. And then just and then you can stop the conversation there. You don't have to you don't have to go much further than that instead of going into this big question about why aren't you doing it or whatever. It's more like, no, go do your homework. There's a lot of reasons why they might not be doing it. It might be they're procrastinators or they're, they're just tired or you know, no one likes to do their homework. I mean, I, there are things that I was supposed to do this morning. I might not have done as, as a, you know, functioning adult. And I asked myself, why didn't I do it? I'm like, I don't know. Cause I'm lazy sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> but the point is I just got to go do it. Like, go, like, and so we, we using direct statements with a child who is um, having defiance and using acting out as a problem solving skill is, is like, it's just very helpful. And then when the when things come in line and you offer them alternative skills, then it really does help the relationship because mm. they try it. And you know what? When they do it and they do it successfully, you got to point it out to them. You got to say, not over the top, just say, you know, Jimmy, I really liked how when you got frustrated with me yesterday, you didn't yell and scream. You just, you, I saw you like you walked away and, and you were good with it. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. we've been working on that. Mm-hmm. You have to, the kids that have behavior problems are being, their behavior problems are being pointed out over and over and over again by mom and dad. Mm-hmm. When they do something right, you need to point out that they've done it right. You need to like, mm-hmm. you need the positive reinforcement when they do it right. And when they're in these, these behavior problem situations, they're not doing it right most of the time. So all they're getting is negative, 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 negative. You, you got it. Like you got to say, Hey, I really liked how you did that. Like, mm-hmm. good job. Like, you know, I saw you. I saw your sister like grabbed your controller or grabbed your whatever. I'm going to keep going back to the electronics and screen thing, but, but grabbed your controller and, and you started to, you know, and you, you came to get me instead of like hitting her or doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that. Thank you for doing that. Or I, I noticed, I saw how you got your homework done on time yesterday. Good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just acknowledging. Yeah. Acknowledge, acknowledge it. And yeah. That makes total sense to me. So you're saying that in our communication, we don't fall into the why trap we, meaning we don't like give them a reason to have an excuse. We simply just say things directly, you know, this is do this instead. And then you're also focusing on acknowledging positive behavior. So, okay. So a follow-up question to that scenario that you gave. Um, I have seen this with chores. So you say, you know, for us, it's, it's summertime here. So we know we have, we have a list of things we do every morning. We do our essentials, we do our reading, we do chores. 
And then the whole afternoon is free, right? But unless you do those things, you don't have the freedom in the afternoon. But so, so in the scenario, the scenario you just said, you know, turn off the TV, it's time to do your homework, or in my situation, time to finish your chores. And what if they say, mm, no, and like, I'm okay not having free time this afternoon. Like, I'm literally just gonna, I'm just gonna say here, you know, for my kids, it's not like they're even getting, they don't even get like, it's not like they're even watching TV at this point, right? It's just, I'm not gonna do it. No, I'm not gonna do it. So what do you do when a child says no? And the consequence, yeah, they don't really care about. I mean, eventually, probably, my assumption yeah. is it probably would work eventually, because eventually, they're gonna want the next thing. But right. in those situations, do they just you just let them have the consequence? I'm, like, okay, then you just get no free time today, and I'm then you try again tomorrow, or what do you do? I'm give you the most. I'm going to give you the most important parenting tip. Okay. All right, this is a secret. You can't tell anyone, <laughs> except for these you, thousands of people listening. Great. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> you can't make your child do anything. What? <laughs> you can't make your child do anything. That's truth. It's such. Truth. <laughs> yes. And if you do, you'll get arrested. <laughs> The only way you can make them do something, you'll you'll end up getting arrested. Um, you can't make your child do anything. Mm-hmm. It's truth. You can't make anyone go to work in the morning. You can't make you're not you're not you don't have that level of control, and you shouldn't necessarily try. You just you need to just set up the system that they need to they need to make the the trade off decision. And you might not have your system might need to be adjusted if if the outcomes aren't right. But but they need to. There need to be consequences, and if the consequences of, are of no consequence to the child, you need better consequences, likely. But but what we say that you can't, you know, we have this expression. We say you you can you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you can make him thirsty. You got to mm-hmm. make your child thirsty, and eventually they, eventually they almost always come around eventually. So, mm-hmm. um, but on any given day, if they're like completely defiant and they say no, you you have a set of consequences that you can use. Uh, but you can't make them do it. Yeah. And um, it sounds like what you're saying is you also don't just start changing the consequence right then to make it worse. It sounds like you're saying if the system is this, you know, you don't get it gone. For me, it's like we, you're not going to go out and play with your friends if your chores aren't done. Yeah. Then it is simply just allowing that to be for a day, right? Or in the situation of the homework, if say if it's a kid can't have their phone, if they don't finish their homework, then you just allow yeah. that, right? And maybe they don't seem to care, but you're saying is it sounds to me like what you're saying is you have to at least give it some time, try it out for a little while to see if it will work. Cause probably eventually they will be like, you know what? I actually didn't yeah. want that. I'm going to do it. But it sounds like you're saying you're not changing the consequence. Like you don't want to change the consequences then like, Oh, okay, this isn't working. Okay. You know what? I'm going to tack on this right now. That sounds to me chaotic. Is, is that what you're yeah. saying? It, yeah. And this is where it becomes art, which is you have to ask yourself, is this a real con? Is this something is the consequence something that I know my child values, like, you know, your child, so you have to ask yourself, what, what is my child value that that can be a consequence or a privilege that they have that can be a consequence if they're not meeting their responsibilities. So as a parent, you, you, you know, that's one of the things we ask them to do is list out, list out the things that you know about your child, that if they're not meeting their responsibilities, they, you know, what would lose as a consequence until they start meeting their responsibilities and work and work those things out. But, but and use those as the consequences, but they may not do it. They might not in the short run do those things. They can be, they can be very defiant. You just have to be consistent. Mm. They usually come around. Yeah. I like that. I actually like so, the idea of you just allow it. Like you allow that consequence. You don't have to worry about like, oh my gosh, that didn't work this very second. So I have to change it. Just give them, give them, 
give it time. You know, these are, and the thing is, it's it'll feel like it's not working either when it is working because it takes these are patterns to be like. Let's say you're, you know, this has been going on for years. These are patterns of behavior that your child hasn't learned and hasn't developed the habits of good problem solving. They don't learn it overnight. It's not like bang, one consequence, you got it right. Now that everything's fine. It might take them, you know, sometimes within a matter of weeks they turn things around. It might take months. Like, like you just need to set the system up and let the system go and and just be honest about whether your system is like a, a reasonable, makes sense system mm-hmm. for dealing with this. And and then your child might take time to learn it. Mm-hmm. And be, you need to be a little bit patient. Yeah. And one of the things we recommend is 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 focus on one behavior at a time. A lot of times it's like, it's not just one thing. It's like when, when, when your kid is in this situation, there could be, you know, 20 things going on. Just pick one behavior and focus on that. See if you can get some, you know, see if you can get a win there. Don't mm-hmm. try to tackle everything at once because it's, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and, and see if you can get that thing going. That makes sense. Okay. So, okay. So then going. But it's hard. Up- this is all, this is hard. Parenting's hard. Yeah. Really? <laughs> These things are not easy. <laughs> These are not easy. This is like, yes. You're right. Parenting yeah. is really one of those things. I mean, we're, it's the thing that matters the most to so many of us. Yeah. And yet it is one of the challenge, most challenging things we've ever done. So it's parenting is hard and so beautiful at the same time. So, okay. Can you tell me then? So you've, you've talked a lot about consequences, having the system. I, I want to go a little deeper into emotions in your specific line of work when you're dealing with these kinds of kids, where do emotions come into play? Like, do you recommend, I mean, cause obviously when a kid's acting out, if they're yelling at you, they're feeling, and you, you mentioned anger, they're feeling something really strongly. Also as a parent dealing with somebody who's out of control like that, um, that you're going to be feeling a lot of emotions yourself. So can you just tell me, I mean, so for me, you know, I have very, and I, I'll link some episodes of this, but I mean, I have very specific things. Like if I'm feeling an emotion, what I do to process it. If my kids are feeling an emotion, you know, I'm, I recognize it so that they can process it also. So that's part of it. Right. And obviously I think, I think everything else we're talking about here is really, really helpful, but where do emotions come into your, and when you're working with parents directly, do you recommend even going into that kind of stuff or do you just kind of just let the emotions come and go and not really delve into them very much? Um, no, we, we do talk about them, uh, not from a not from like a psychology necessarily standpoint, but from a effective parenting standpoint. And one is when you're dealing with a child with with behavior problems, you're you're going to be much more effective in your response if you can keep yourself a little calmer. Mm-hmm. And you need to identify what your triggers are and avoid those triggers. And one of the things, like the coming home from work thing, this is really common. You're coming home from work. And that's when the things explode. And we, we often recommend for a parent when you come home from work, give yourself half an hour. Even if something doesn't go on right, just go to your room. Like, like don't con- don't confront any of the issues for like half an hour until you've had a chance to like chill. Mm-hmm. Or if things get heated with your child, you can you can stop the the issue and just say, look, I I I'm getting very upset here. We need to stop. And, and just be aware of that. You know, one of, one of the things James Lehman said, he used to spend his, his radio commercials. And it's the thing that I remember the most um, when uh, when I was first introduced to this, which he said, you don't have to attend every argument that you're invited to. Ooh. And and if you're constantly in arguments, like you don't have to go to those arguments. Like, like, you know what? I can't, like, this is not effective for me. It's not productive. I don't want to get dragged down to another, like, argument. I'm going to step away from it. It's not, it's not effective. We can talk 
later when things are calmer. But we often recommend with parents like disconnect when things are not when you're not calm or whatever, you're not gonna be able to behave and and act well, just you know, step away from that. So, mm. so there's a lot yeah. of emotions going on in that. Yeah, I agree with that a million percent. Can you tell me what your favorite way is? So if things are escalating and you realize you need, well, a couple things you're saying here that I really like. One, you mentioned taking time to decompress and the, you know, taking a half an hour or whatever. Um, for me, that is key. I mean, I talk yeah. exhaustively about, for me, I mean, it starts within the morning time, but also if my, I call them patient skin, my patient skin is wearing thin. Yeah, yeah. I need to go take some more decompression time so that I can come back and be able to deal in an unruffled way with my children. So I love that you mentioned that, that it is okay to take time separate to decompress if you're having a hard time without reacting with really high emotions yourself. Because us being the bigger person, being unruffled in a situation is always going to make things better. So I love that you mentioned that. But my second, my question for you is, I guess, following up what you just said is, say things are getting heated and you know, I need to leave this argument right now. It's not going to be what I'm going to about to say is not going to help the situation because my emotions are getting a little bit too high. I mean, I've seen people where they just slam the door and, you know, run away. What is your, or I know there's a lot more effective ways to do it. What's your favorite way to excuse yourself from a heated situation so that you can decompress a little bit and come back when things are a little bit better? I, I usually, I, I'm usually just like, look, this is not a good time for me. Like I need a break. Like, let's talk about this later. I'm not always good at it. One thing is if you, if you, if you, if you don't do that effectively, forgive yourself. Cause we're not perfect, right? Most of the time we want to be able to do this. It doesn't have to be every time. So forgive yourself if you're not perfect because no one is. Um, but the other, the other thing that helps for me is Again, these are patterns of behavior, so it's been happening a lot. If I prepare my response ahead of time, mm-hmm. I'm going to be way calmer. So I can yeah. actually. So my my preventive measure is to have a prepared response ahead of time, and then when it happens, I just go into sort of execution mode of what I'm going to sort of say and do because because mm-hmm. these things are not usually a surprise. Whatever whatever's happening has happened ten times before, mm-hmm. um, and you get better. You just get better at like here's how I'm going to react to it. I like that. And then, and then walk away and, and, or whatever it is that, that you, that you do to help, help you react better. And then, um, and then, uh, give yourself a pat on the back if you do it successfully. And then if I do it a couple of times, you get better at it. You actually get better at it with practice. So mm-hmm. it's an amazing thing about life. <laughs> you yeah. do get better at things you practice. I, I really like so, that. And do you but, recommend doing that with both? I mean, kids and parents. Cause for me, I've done that. I do that a lot. If I'm feeling it, I say, I, I first state my emotion. I'm feeling really angry right now. So I'm going to step away for just a a little bit. This conversation is important to me and I can finish it later. Or I can tell you are, you know, I can tell you're really feeling my kids are, well, even with my 13 year old, you know, I can say, I can, I can see you're really frustrated now, right now. And this conversation is important. So maybe let's come back, you know, let's meet back after dinner and keep talking about it or whatever. But you know what, when you do that, when you do that, you're modeling the behavior for your child too. Your child sees you do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. realizes that you have, you have emotions too. And, and that's a very important thing to model that. Yes. And I then, totally and then if you, if you, and you can't do it a hundred, I don't know, maybe some people can, I can't do it a hundred percent. I, I, I'm Nobody like, can. wow, I didn't handle that. I didn't handle that well. <laughs> and the next day go back and, and just say, look, I don't like how I handled that. And, and you can apologize to your child for how you handled that situation. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, to, again, you don't have to go on and on. I just, just say, I didn't like how I handled that. I'm gonna try to do better next time. 
I should yes. have done X instead. And then model, model, model the, the apology to your child as well. Yes, I totally agree with that. So, it's the replay kind of that we were talking about earlier. We can do it ourselves. I love that tool as a parent. I oftentimes at bedtime find myself saying, I notice. And for me, it always, because I never want my, and this kind of maybe leads us into a really good next point. As we're talking about what we're feeling and what our children are feeling, for me, for my children to see that I'm a human who feels emotions is important. I am feeling really angry right now. I'm feeling, I'll even say I'm feeling really impatient, right? However, I also think it's important that they, I I don't want them to feel like, like I want them to know that I'm responsible for my own emotions. So even if they are freaking out and obviously I'm getting frustrated and it is probably a result of them freaking out, the statement, I am feeling angry right now, I'm going to take a break, is important to me versus you are driving me crazy right now. You are making me so angry. For me, that slight difference in language is important because I want them to know later that they can also be responsible for their actions and they can't blame it on somebody else. So that kind of leads us, first of all, do you agree with that or do you have anything that you can add to yeah, that? Yeah, you're reminding me, we have, we have an article that we send out once in a while in our newsletter it's called um, everything after butt is bull, and and it's a it's a child or even a parent saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I yelled at you, but you frustrated me, or I'm sorry that I I hit you, but but you made me angry, and and we're always like, there's no but, and I'm sorry, yeah, so I'm sorry, I should have done that, no but, like you're yeah. when you do the but, you're giving excuses like I I reacted because you did X, yeah. Yeah. Get You're rid of the butt. Just say, I reacted poorly, period. Yeah. Parent to child, child power. to parent. Yes. Oh, I love that. And that's where- Oh, you are. Is. You're. I love so, that you said that. You're giving away your own power. When you tell your child that they're responsible for your own emotions, that's an incredible amount of power you've just given your child. Mm-hmm. And they will use, and, and the child, the, the, the really difficult child who becomes manipulative and, and kind of figure this out, they'll use that. They'll know that they can change your emotions by saying something or doing something. And, and some kids will do that. And I would say not even difficult children, but two-year-olds, once they figure that out, yes. a two-year-old, uh, just an innocent two-year-old can also use that. I mean, it's just natural. Power is one of those innate things that I think we're always testing out our power, especially as we grow up. We're testing where is my power here? And it's too much power to give any other person especially a child, but any other person, I would say, I don't give my power to an adult either, but that they don't have power over my thing. So I love, I love that. And I love that what you said about, I'm sorry for me, how that looks is I was feeling angry today and I raised my voice and I wish I wouldn't have talked like that. I don't even mention their behavior. And then I say, if I were to do it again, this is what I would do. I would take a break and I would come back and we would have talked about the broken, you know, vase or whatever. That's what I would have done. I, I, I'm going back looking at my actions. That's what I would have done differently. And I think it's great because you can just leave it as that. You don't even have to mention because you were freaking out and it really made, you know what I mean? I just love yeah. the idea of accountability with our own actions. So that leads us to where does that go with, I know that that's one of your big platforms is that we are, what are we responsible then for as parents? The, you know, the things that you go back to over and over that you can, to me, it's a liberating concept, your idea about responsibility, what we are responsible for as parents. It's, a, it's actually tied into what I said before about, about you can't make your child do anything. You can't make them. So 
The corollary to that is that you're not responsible for your child's behavior. And a lot of parents coming to us are guilt. They have they're they're dealing with a lot of guilt because their child is not doing well. They're having behavior problems, and then like I'm a bad parent. That's why my child's not behaving well. Now we have parents that are more ineffective and less effective. And there's there's effective parenting styles and more ineffective, but it's a continuum. And 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 the parents we're dealing with are decent parents. They're like they mean well for their kids. They're trying. They're what we call good enough parents. You know, they're well, not they're abusive. Yeah, they're coming to you for help, right? So yeah, they- yeah, yeah. So so we tell them, you, like, you're not responsible for your child's behavior. Your child is responsible for their behavior. And that's the that's the, how you want to frame this. Your child is responsible for their behavior and put the accountability on the child for their behavior. Because if you don't, you're going to be racked with guilt. You're going to think that you can actually control your child's behavior when you can't. And your child's going to figure out that, oh, I don't behave well. I get in trouble all the time. And gosh, mom's all guilty about it. It's not my fault. It's her fault. And your child might actually either they'll do one of two things. They'll either use that to manipulate mom or dad, or they'll actually believe that the reason they can't behave well is because mom didn't raise them well or dad didn't raise them well. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good place to be. You, that's not, that doesn't lead to, to a child taking on responsibility and, and learning how to behave better and, and solve problems better. And, and, and we say that you you can't take responsibility for your child's behavior any more than you can go to the gym and work out and expect that your child's going to get into shape because you went to the gym and worked out. You can't work out for your child either. You can't like, they have to do it. They have to be the one to do it. They're, make them responsible for their behavior. The accountability needs to be on them. And we see this a lot with single moms or, or divorce situations. Let's say single moms, most of our, most of the people coming to us are probably 80%, 75% the, the mom, but, but we have a lot, of, we work with a lot of dads too. In a divorce situation, the child's having behavior problems and they feel guilty. They think that, you know, because of the divorce and all the stress on that, the child's having behavior problems and you should have empathy towards, you should have empathy towards your child. It's a difficult time, Mm -hmm. but that still doesn't give them a license to abuse other people and be abusive towards mom or dad or the siblings or whatever, or not meet their responsibilities. They still need, they still need to do those things. And I, and I remind parents when when they're in a divorce situation and they're blaming their child's behavior on the divorce, I'm like, you know what? We we dealt with someone an hour ago who wasn't in a divorce situation, had the exact same issues going on, mm-hmm. and there was no divorce. Like, what happened there? Like, mm-hmm. or or I was dealing with a parent that had three kids, and two of them two of them seemed to solve problems reasonably well, and and are you know learn from their mistakes and move on and are, and are doing well. And one of them not doing well. Like, did they parent that one child totally different? Like, you know, this, it's the child's, some kids are just different and they're, and they're, and they're difficult. And, and, and we don't want parents to take responsibility for that. The child needs to learn to take responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. So it's a much more effective way you get, you get the guilt out of it and it empowers the child. You know, our company's called empowering parents. We're empowering parents with the tools that, that, James Lehman and the social workers he worked with had, but we're also empowering our kids to take responsibility for their behaviors and not saying it's, you know, their behaviors are something that were driven by, by mom or dad or whatever. It's, it's, it's not yeah. a good. Well, yeah, that's beautiful. And that's where we find our personal power, right? Is by realizing that other people have theirs. And then as we set boundaries and enforce limits as parents, which is what you're talking about, this beautiful yeah. structure of consequences and rules and giving them alternatives to their behavior 
we're creating this beautiful place of the, the key to personal empowerment and and keeping that inside of that personal responsibility is having limits for ourselves. I mean, even as adults, that's what we're doing, right? We're setting ourselves our own boundaries. And then within those boundaries, we're finding our own personal power. Yeah. So I really like that. You're kind of setting and up a really nice. It, it turns out that's a controversial view. And, and I'll tell you where it's controversial and where parents should think about this. Cause they see, you'll see this all, you'll see this a lot and it's kind of the same thing, but if feels different, but you'll, you'll see it with a child who, who, um, I don't know, does vandalism or, or something. Okay. And you'll see people on social media or other places say, we need to hold their parents accountable. We need to hold the parents accountable for their behavior. And we're like, no, you need to hold the child accountable for the behavior. <laughs> and in fact, the parent should be wanting to work with the schools or whatever, say, school, instead of punishing me, like, help me hold my child. I want my child to be accountable for it. Like, so we always want it to be on the, on the child. The accountability goes on the child. If you want your child to be responsible, you got to give them responsibilities. And if you want your child to be accountable, you have to hold them accountable. That's the only way they're going to learn it. So. Mm. Anyway, it's just sort of a, a, a mindset and sort of a way to frame it. Yeah, so. that's beautiful. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. To and me. the kids are like, we see so much success. Like, like you would. I'm, we're very optimistic in these situations where where parents just feel like there's like, you know, things are just in a bad place, and they can a kid can turn it around. Like, there's so many success. Like, so many kids turn it around. Mm. So, which is such a hopeful message. And you're saying it's through those consequences, giving them alternative to behavior, sticking with the system, letting it be in place. It, it I love it because it and, sounds like you're saying you're taking away the decision of fatigue as a parent of always trying to figure out, okay, so when they don't do this thing that they haven't done now a hundred times, you just have figured it out, you've put it into a system. And, and and believing in your child. If if you don't when you don't hold your child accountable, you're not believing them anymore. In fact, they start noticing that, hey, how come I don't get in trouble for not doing my chores anymore? They start to feel defective. Like, like I'm, I'm so, I'm so defective that they're not even, they're not even giving me responsibilities or accountability anymore. They've given up on me. Mm. I don't have to do my homework. Like, cause, and they, they sort of internalize that I'm, I'm the kid who, who doesn't behave well or doesn't do homework or whatever. And when you, and when you give up on the accountability, that's, it sends the message that you, you don't think that they can do it. Mm. So there's, there's a, there's some, I mean, it's, it's just good. I, I love, I love these programs and your podcasts and this type of stuff. It sort of, you sort of think through the dynamics of what's going on in these situations mm-hmm. and, and it helps you reframe things in a way that, that, you know, like, like holding your child accountable is believing in them. Like that's something that's, mm-hmm. you might not think otherwise. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's, it's hopeful and it's empowering and it's, yeah. I love, I love all that. That reminds me of in, uh, Brene Brown's book, Gifts of Imperfect Parenting, because you're, I mean, you're right. None of us do this perfectly all the time. None of us do. Um, she said that in focus groups, when they brought kids together, talking about their own childhood. So when I say kids, I mean, these are young adults. Yeah. But most of the kids who had parents who kept rules and limits and believed in them, used those as almost like badges of honor. When you were saying that, mm, you know, it, yeah. it's disappointing internally for a child to be like, they've kind of given up on me. They're not, they don't even think that I'm capable anymore. They, they don't even bring up the homework anymore. Um, she found that it was the parents, it was the children who'd grown up with parents who did consistently say, no, like, I believe you can do better. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep working with you on this because I believe you can. I mean, and they would do it in like a, oh my gosh, my, you know, my mom would make me read 10 books in the summer. Can you believe that? And they were saying it like a complaint, but 
the kids who didn't have it were like, I was always jealous of kids who had parents who would set boundaries for them and work with them. You know, so I, I love it that you just pointed that out that by us caring and not giving up on our children and believing in them, they can feel that. They can sense that we we do we're asking you to work within this system over and over because we want you to gain the responsibility of following through on chores. We want you to feel the accomplishment of working on something even after it's hard. That's why we're caring. That's why yeah. all of, that's the whole purpose of this. We're not just trying to torture our kids for fun, right? Yeah, so exactly. I really like And the, and the goal is not to get the chores done either. The, the goal is to like, is to raise your, like you're raising your kids. Like, like you're the only parent, like your kids need a parent. And, and if the goal were to get the chores done, it might be more effective either to hire someone or to do it yourself, like be way faster. It takes more time to, to work with your kid to get it done definitely. Oh, I can testify to that. Right. And the goal, so, so therefore the goal, the goal isn't necessarily to have the chore done. The goal is for your child to learn how to do the chore. Right. You invest in them. And, you know, I, I, before I got into this business, I was, I was in, um, I did a lot of like technology startup work in the healthcare world and it was like fast growing companies and we would hire people. When you hire someone, it slows you down. Like if you need, if something's due in six months, like you can't just hire people like that would slow you down. You know, when you hire someone today, they're, they're effective eight months, nine months, a year now. It's an investment mm. to that. And it's the same thing with, with, with your kid. Getting your kid to do chores is not going to be productive <laughs> like in terms of getting chores done. Uh-huh. It's going to be productive in, in building a responsible child. Yes, it's an investment. Oh, it's like an investment. That. It's not going to realize benefits. It's going to seem like, why am I wasting my time doing it? Like it just, you know, we spent yeah. half an hour arguing over dishes that I could have done in 10 minutes. Like what was the point of that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. That's a good, beautiful reminder that parenting is a really long-term investment. So I love that. Can you tell us, is there anything else that you, in your practice that you've seen that are just, you know, like this just really helps parents. You want to leave our parents with there's little nuggets or do you think we've covered most of the things that can really help parents with children? There's one thing I always, always, always want to leave with parents is do not take your child's behavior personally. Even when they're standing in the kitchen, looking at you right in the eye and saying, I hate you, mom. I wish you were dead, which is the title of one of our articles on empoweringparents.com. It says, I wish you, mom. I hate you, mom. I wish you were dead. They say something horrible to you. We, we urge parents, please, please, please realize it's a behavior problem. They're trying to solve a problem with that behavior by telling them they hate you. They wish you were dead. Terrible things. Teenagers and, and adolescent kids will say horrible things to their parents. Do not take it personally. View it as a behavior problem because for a couple of reasons. One, it's a behavior problem and you're going to be much more effective in responding if you don't take it personally. You're not going to overreact. You're going to, you're going to respond with an effective consequence. And second of all, when your child, and they will, when your child improves through these programs and techniques, when they improve and their behavior gets better, if you've taken that personally, it's going to be very, very difficult to, to forgive and offer your child grace for the horrible things that they said to you. And you do not want to be in that place. Mm. You want to have your child be able to say these horrible things to you. And it's just a behavior problem. They're going to improve. They're going to get better. They don't mean it. Mm. And you have to, you have to tell yourself that because if you internalize the things that, that your kids might've said or were even done, sometimes you like, why would you do, why would you do that when you know that makes me like lose sleep as a parent mm-hmm. and, and don't take it personally. And then, then, then down the road when they improve and they, and we're very optimistic, they will improve. 
then you'll be able to offer forgiveness and grace and you'll be able to move on and you'll have a much, much better relationship with your child mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I agree with that, that we can't take it personally. What do you recommend? Because um, that is actually a question we get a lot is, do you think that disrespectful speaking, like insults or hurtful words, are they things that you put in the realm of things that need consequences or do you just see them recognize what's happening and then go for the behavior. What, what do you recommend doing in that situation? If the kid says, I hate you, mom, I wish you were dead. And what do you do as a parent? Um, so that's a great question. And some of it is going to depend on what the values of the parent are. Um, and we have some articles on this actually, where we talk about where do you draw the line between um, what we would call verbal abuse and just like swearing and other stuff, like verbal abuse, like when you're, when a child is threatening, verbally abusive, like those definitely need consequences because that's just not good. Um, things that, that are not as big, like just getting in an argument or saying, I hate you, mom, and wish you were dead. Like that's like a personal thing, but it's not, it's not quite verbal abuse the way that like intimidation is, mm-hmm. or, you know, you have to, you have to figure out what you can let slide and what, and what you can't. And, and some of those things are a little bit of a gray area. You know, we recommend like, don't overreact to eye rolling. And when your child rolls their eye and like, like usually you've won the argument because they're like, and then they go off to do whatever they're doing. Focus on whether they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, ignore the eye rolling and it goes away. They're, they're, they're rolling their eyes because they want a reaction from you. Yeah. That's a good advice. Yeah. And then just ignore it. And then if you don't like the eye rolling because you don't want your child to learn to eye roll, you really don't because if they eye roll like out in the professional world, they get a job or something like that's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next day, just go, Hey, you know, I just noticed it didn't bother me, but because I don't like react to those things, but you rolled your eyes. Like some people don't like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd let no, them know. I, that's like, you're doing them a favor by letting them know. Some people don't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. So you want to pick, you want to pick your battles and it's a reasonable question to ask, does this, does this deserve a consequence or is this something I can ignore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never experienced um, when you said intimidating, threatening, that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't even know what I would do in that situation because I've never experienced it. But my my 10-year-old sometimes, she's just recently, she's, well, she said this like a week ago. She said, I didn't even know what was happening. Like we weren't even in a fight. We were doing something. I think I had said no to something. And she's like, you are the meanest mommy in the whole world. Yeah. And to me, yeah, that doesn't even offend me. Like I'm like, I'm not offended. I can tell yeah. in my mind, I'm if I she left, but had she stayed, I'm like, looked at me, I would have said, I can see you're really frustrated right now. You know what I mean? But like, I would, I probably wouldn't even like, I was just going on with my, whatever I was doing, but it was cute because I didn't, my sons both look at me. They're like, no, you're the nicest person in the whole world. Why would she even say that? And I could point out to them, she's just feeling really frustrated right now that she can't, you know, whatever it is that she wanted to do. Right. Like that is a statement that she's really frustrated that isn't even a statement about me. And because you could tell that they were like, I don't even get why that would be connected to you. So it's interesting that you say that, I mean, and again, I don't know where the, the line is, but for me, that's just, I can tell you're really frustrated. Yeah. And I'm not offended. I don't really think that you think I'm the meanest person in the whole world, you know, your meany yeah. face or whatever they call you. And anyway, so, so what I hear you saying though, is I'm just using that as an example. For me, that's an example that, yeah, it's not going to ruffle me. I'm not, I'm not losing any sleep over that. I know that she doesn't actually think. Yeah, that. I think that's fine. I would, I would ignore that. I would just like whatever. Thanks. But you're saying that there is a point 
in in and again maybe that's why it's a difficult thing and it's just a balance but you're saying there probably is a point and each parent would have to look at that themselves to say yeah, if you, this is where we actually do need to come up with some kind of consequence because either there's threats or intimidation or it's just so much that you're just really being rude all the time i mean acceptable behavior i mean if you ask if you ask your child to like do their chores and they look at you in the eye and they, and they give and they say the f word to you the f you right like that needs a consequence. <laughs> so we, we get that. I mean, we see a lot of like the stuff, the parents coming to us are fresh, like they have serious behavior problems. Mm-hmm. They're not sort of run of the mill. Like, and that, that needs a consequence. Um, and doing that with a sibling is not, that's, you don't want to be in a household where that's, that's normal. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, just swearing. I mean, you have to decide some households swear. Like I, I you know, we, we recommend it's, but it's, there's values going on here. So we recommend, you know, swear, you know, Probably a household where you don't swear is probably better, and the parents ought to model that behavior. Um, yeah. But I worked at a company once where we were acquired by a British company, and apparently, and I, I don't know, you have you have international listeners, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I yeah. had an Irish, I had an Irish neighbor, and we were acquired by a British company once, and I just noticed like, like the f word in the UK and Ireland, like it's way more common, like like it's almost not a, I don't know if it's not a bad word, I don't know, I haven't. I just noticed like it was much more commonly used. I was like taken aback at first. It was very strange. It was like, like a cultural thing. Like no one seemed, yeah. they didn't seem to care. But, but, um, but, it's but if you don't like, yeah. Well, yeah, just a good reminder to go back to whatever your own family values all yeah. wherever that yeah. is on the spectrum. Yeah. And then, and this, and just figure out where you, you know, spec- and if you're dealing with more significant problems, just pick the ones that matter the most and, and things that are like, you know, abusive stuff is just not good. You don't want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't I like want that. that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Well, I am, I'm loving a lot of these tips. They're really beautiful and really applicable. And can you tell me, Kimball, then, first of all, thank you for explaining all these beautiful concepts to us. And then second of all, can you tell us as listeners, I mean, you've spent a lot of time with behavior and it sounds like you offer a lot of hope to a lot of parents, but can you, we always like to ask our listeners, before you tell them how they can find out more about you and more about your programs, tell us what is one game-changing habit that you have that helps you find the magic in your own life. So my, my game-changing habit, and I was, I was influenced on this by a sort of a help, self-help person, is to value process over goals. Ooh. So I don't give myself goals necessarily. I give myself a process to follow. And I don't have to achieve my goal every day. I just have to do my process. And if I'm like, let's say I want to get an article done, my goal is to like, I just need to sit down and do 20 minutes, at least 20 minutes a day on this article. I don't have to finish it. Or the process is I put my gym clothes on and I go to the gym. Mm. If I choose not to work out, I don't have to work out necessarily, but I can come back. But my process is that I put myself in this situation to do that. And I always, mm. I always look at process over goals. Um, goals, sometimes you don't reach them or maybe they're not useful to be like, I just put a, a system in place and follow that system every day. Mm. Oh, I agree. Um, with and that that, that makes it a little easier for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a fantastic mm-hmm. habit. It's, it's weird to say you're not goal oriented or more process oriented. I'm not even not sure what the goal is <laughs> at the time. I love that. But I, as you said that, I mean, that's how I feel like that's how I mean learning is now. We're talking yeah. so much about growth mindset instead of fixed mindset. That's what you're talking about. You're incorporating it into your whole life. Yeah. And if you've ever put on your gym clothes and gone to the gym you usually end up working out. So I think yeah. the beautiful thing about that is you end up probably getting more goals than you would have had you just yes. on the goals yes. to start with. So it's this beautiful irony. It's like a, for me, that, that habit that you just said for me is one of my favorite 
brain hacks. It's like a it's like a human motivation hack that's so wonderful because we can handle processes. We can handle specific steps. When we look at it just as a goal, it's really easy just to be like, you know, I'm not doing any of it. So yeah. I I love that. And you fail you fail a lot when there's a goal, and the goal might be the wrong thing. I don't know. And I remember being job interviews and they was like, what are your goals? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I felt, defect, felt defective in my twenties. I like, I didn't have any goal. Like, I don't know. I want to make some money. Some, I don't know. Like it's <laughs> like a stupid kid. How do I have know what my goals ought to be? <laughs> and shame on you for believing me if I told you what they are. Cause like, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. So I love it. Well, that's, I love I'm it. Like that's who are these people awesome. with goals? Like, I guess, I don't know. I want to, I don't know. So process, process always makes more sense to me. When I heard, when I heard someone articulate process over goals, like that always made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so. love that. For me, I like to uh, have goals, but the the definition of success for me is the process. So the success is not the achievement of the goal. I still like to hold goals in my vision, but I like to have my definition of success. The equation is always, did I do this thing, this one thing? Did I practice my 10 times of this today. That's my success, not the yeah. actual end thing. And then yeah. the beautiful thing is, yeah, the end thing sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes you learn a lot by not achieving, by not acquiring yeah. a goal. Like when you fail, like you fail at lots of stuff. Yeah. You, you didn't meet your goal, but you learned something through the process. So. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Okay. Well, I love that. And tell, then tell our listeners, we'll include this in our show notes and our emails, but for parents out there who want more information, want more specific guidance in their own issues that they're dealing with, tell us how they can find out more about you. Okay. So we're at the website, empoweringparents.com. And when you go there, we urge you to sign up for our newsletter. We'll send you articles two or three times a week. And we have hundreds of free articles on our site. And you can also sign up for the Total Transformation Program, which is an online streaming program. And we also offer parent coaching so that if you're working through the program, you can talk to someone who's non-judgmental, not, you know, not like, you know, family is sometimes hard when you're dealing with these issues to talk to. If you have a family member, you can, that's great. But if you don't, so we have, we have parent coaching that they know the programs. Um, and that's at empoweringparents.com. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for empowering parents. Fabulous. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kimball, for your time. I think your tools and tactics here are really going to help us all find the magic. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Kimball. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you are looking for a great gift for yourself or somebody that you care about, consider getting them a Find the Magic journal. It is a journal that each of us use daily that helps us with questions in the morning that it asks you and that you do a little bit of journaling to help you focus on what's important for the day and really make steps each day towards your goals. And then it also has a section to plan out your day so that things don't slip away from you and there's even a section for you to reflect at the end of the day and I have found that as I've used it it's been so powerful for me in really living my life in an intentional way so if you'd like a journal 
just go to findthemagic.co and click on the top link that says FTM Journal. So again, that's findthemagic.co and just click on FTM Journal. Thanks so much. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> <And> brown cows. <laughs>